I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. 2024. Welcome, welcome. Wow, what an amazing 2023. And now we get to go into 2024 together. And I'm so excited. You're going to grow so much. And that is my goal this year is to really level up my learning and my growth and these guests that I bring on. And today I get to share with you the top five from 2023. When I went back to pick the five, it was easy. (laughs) I was like, who did I learn the most from this year? Like who leveled me up? And that's kind of the basis that I used in trying to figure out how I was going to bring it down to five. I have not missed a week since I started this podcast back in April of 2020. And when you look back on a year, when I looked back and I started going back, you know, in January of 2023, I was like, oh my gosh, I've grown so much. That's, I kept thinking that like, wow, I have grown so much. I have met the most amazing people. 2023 took my level up so much. I am so grateful. This podcast fulfills my every cell of my body. I can't explain it, but I know that you feel it with my energy and how much I put into this podcast. I love it so much. And these people that I get to meet and become friends with and then get to meet in person. I get to meet some in person in a few weeks, a couple weeks for the retreat. Uh, Kate Ekman and Lawn Art are coming. And then I get to meet my beautiful breathwork, Lisa Tran, and my sound bath, beautiful soul sister, Annie Diane, and her assistant or their team with Megan. So anyway, it's just been a blessing. So gratitude all over the place. I'm starting this year with this feeling that I'm going to use the word connection. That is going to be my word. And I feel like my calls on the first Monday of the calls of the month have been magical. And this one is going to be January 8th. So you didn't miss it. You didn't miss it yesterday because it was the first. So first call will be this Monday on the 8th at five o'clock Pacific connection, connection, connection. There's so much magic in that call. We will have a guest speaker. I will announce that before the call. So stay tuned for that. And last week's or last month's call is on my YouTube channel. If you want to go back and watch that, we had a guest speaker, Vanessa Stewart, which was absolutely amazing. I just get excited. More in connection, more in-person events, more retreats, more growth. I just get excited. It's a it's an eight year, you know, 2024 adds up to an eight. 
And I love eight. That's like my favorite number. So it's going to be an exciting, you know, it's like every day I wake up with that feeling and I can just know, I just know that this year it's going to, it's that feeling that I have every day is going to be elevated. Also the Raising Confidence course, if you still want it in on my buy one, get one, please connect with me. I'm going to start the program the 1st of February. So please don't, if you were even thinking of it or it's calling you or you want your child to even think about it, you want to talk to me, let's get a discovery call and get your child into this mindset and believing that they can be, do, or have anything that they can get clear on their values before they get off into this world. And, you know, I have a few months left of Paige before she heads off on her own. And I know that with this program and what I instilled in my girls that I have the utmost confidence in Paige. And it's the most beautiful feeling as a mom, knowing that I instilled these values and these, all these tools into her, her whole life. And now she's ready to fly. And I know most of you as parents, if you have that feeling, it's like, that's the the best feeling in the world. So I want everyone to feel that. So connect with me. If you know kids that are struggling, which I do, that I want have helped. There's testimonials on the YouTube channel, but let's get this world vibrating higher. And with these children that are naturally vibrating higher, but because of all this, you know, the, where the world is, the social media and all the things that have brought these children's vibration down, let's remove that, teach them these tools and then watch them fly. Cause it's going to be amazing to watch trust me. So connect with me if you still want the buy one, get one. I will honor that for whoever listens and calls me or connects, emails me at ashleygonner at gmail.com. And you're going to love this episode. I'm going to tell you who they are. So my first person that changed my life this year in a big way was Sarah Landon. That is uh, episode 159. She came to me gosh, probably five years ago when I listened to her on a podcast. And that would be a dream of mine to have Sarah Landon on the show. She came on and changed my life. I had so many friends that listened to this episode that I know now that she has changed their life. And just that alone, if I knew I shared somebody that it helped someone else is so, 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 so special to me. Sarah and I connected so much, go back and listen to that podcast. I felt like she was my soul sister. It's just the wisdom of the council. That book just, I mean, that book changed my life. I listened to the Audible book and I bought the book. I've probably listened to the Audible book three or four times and have shared the book. That was a present I used to give to people right around that time is just that book was a life and a game changer. Just know that Sarah Landon has made a huge impact in me. And then my number two guest that I say changed my life in 2023 is Lee Harris. Oh my gosh, he's a dream, was a dream guest. I got to read all of his books before he came on. The Conversation with Disease, that resonated with me so much. I learned from his books and his teachings and when he would channel disease, there was so much clarity in my questions and my mind and life and where we were going. And Lee is so loving. And there's something about his energy that I just, I just fell in love with. 
if you haven't listened to it, go back to 164 and anything of his, all of his books, go to his YouTube channel. It's like, go to his website, (laughs) all of these people. I guarantee you, if you hadn't listened to it over the year when he was on here, he's a game changer, just like Sarah. So that's Lee Harris. And then my third person that changed my life this year was Paul Selig. Oh my gosh. Talk about a dream guest. I know I keep saying that, but before the podcast, I would listen to Paul channel and listen to all the episodes. I would put his name in a pod, you know, in the search thing to listen to any podcast he was on every YouTube channel. He was a huge teacher of mine. I read his books and to know that he was sitting on my zoom and I was talking to him, (laughs) that was like, I was living in a dream. So Paul has, I mean, in my whole life, I would say he's, I've taken things from him and his guides and really it has transformed me in so many ways. So he definitely gets to be the top five of 2023. The interesting fact about that interview was we did it on a Wednesday. And I remember we get on and he was saying, you know, we're having this big storm and the wind. I hope my, you know, my Zoom, my Wi-Fi was going to work. And I, he says, should we reschedule? And I said, no, let's just go for it because I got you on here. I'm not going to do that. And it was the day of the fires, the day in Maui, because he lives in Maui. And I, I'll never forget that. In fact, when I have any kind of news on the Hawaii, that awful thing in Lahaina, I was thinking, gosh, that day I was talking to Paul Selig while he was going through, he didn't even know what he was getting ready to experience, but he was safe. It didn't happen. He lives in the rainforest, but he lives right there in Maui. And I know he helped a lot of people and let them stay with him, but Anyway, that was kind of an interesting fact on the same day that I interviewed him. So number four is RJ Spina. And he was another game changer. His book, Change Your Mind, is something that it was this new book that came out and I started reading it and I listened to him on a podcast. I manifested his interview within like five minutes. I got his text from a friend that had him on her show. It was like, bam, bam, bam. And I thought I'm really supposed to interview RJ. And he just, I felt like we had a soul connection and his teachings. And I know that all of you that listened to him on that episode, and it was number 178. And I don't know if I mentioned Paul Selig's, but his was 175. If you want to go back to listen to those. But with RJ, oh my gosh, he goes into everything of the, how your mind and how he healed his body. And it's where we're going. I, I know healing is going to take a whole different, everything's going to be different in the healing industry and where we're going. You probably listened to David Wong and his chi coils. And I have a few other healers in the queue coming in in February that you're going to love, but it's so all this sound healing and what RJ, how he healed his body. It just gives you so much hope in this world that we're not dependent on the pharmaceuticals and the, all the things that we thought we had to take or do to become healthy and heal ourselves. So RJ, oh gosh, huge, huge difference in my life. So go back and listen to that episode or go listen to, he's been on so many podcasts and YouTube. He's has a YouTube channel that he gives stuff for free that get his books. He's just 
He's amazing. The fifth one, but definitely not the least one, <laughs> is Cindy Edison. Oh my gosh. That now she's my soul sister too. She was a a dream guest, just like the other four, made room for me on a Sunday. And I remember like getting so excited. And I just like most of I mean, all of my episodes, I get so excited or I wouldn't interview them to learn about them before I put them out. And with Cindy and the teachings of Joseph, oh my, I couldn't, I could do it all day long still. I, I I still listen to her, but all of the prep time that I had before her, I just loved it. And then to get on a call with her and see her beautiful face and have that connection and have these magical moments on the episode. Her episode number was 181. It's interesting how they're all kind of close in numbers. I just realized that, but yeah, Cindy. That connection was one of the most magical connections. I probably, I know I say that with all of them, but she was definitely one. And I know most of you who reached out to me to tell me, oh my gosh, Cindy Edison was amazing. That is why she made the top five because she's changed my life. The teachings of Joseph changed my life. I share, I all, a lot of times I share on my story on Instagram, her posts and Sarah Landon's posts. So they just speak to me. And each one of these five and have all spoken to my soul and boy, do they deserve to be on this top five of 2023. I couldn't be more grateful for the time that they were able to spend with me and that I was able to share them with you. And it'll be fun to see 2024, what comes from that year and who I get to share with you because I get so excited for those Tuesdays. And I know the ones that you guys that have told me that you get excited for Tuesdays. That means so much to me and that you wait to listen till Tuesday. You don't go to the YouTube until it's until the Tuesday. So it's not ruined. I just love that. So happy new year. Have a beautiful 2024. Stick with me. You're going to love the guests that are coming up. Enjoy this episode with my five most transformative guests of 2023. And remember to connect with me and always know that I'm here and ready to be your friend, your mentor, whatever it is, I'm right here. So without further ado, please enjoy Sarah Landon, Lee Harris, Paul Selig, RJ Spina, and Cindy Edison. If you listen to this podcast and you follow me weekly, or if you just found this podcast and then you go down my rabbit hole of podcasts, you will see this magic today in this interview and why I love Sarah so much and why I look at her as a soul sister. And her book is one of my, I would say all time favorites now. And I bought the audible too. And this book, the wisdom of the council is the title. It will transform your life. <laughs> and I don't mean that even as, I mean, I, it's, that's an understatement. That's how much I love this woman, what she has been put on this earth to do and how I connected with her. I think she's so amazing. 
Sarah Landon is a globally celebrated transformational leader, spiritual teacher, and channel of the council. She has been called a leader of leaders for the next generation of teachers, way showers, channels, coaches, and guides who are contributing to raising the consciousness of the planet. Passionate about living her highest potential, Sarah shines a light on the path for others to expand beyond the perceived limitations of the human experience and live as the realized masters that they are. So without further ado, please welcome the one and only my beautiful soul sister, Sarah Landon. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We've been looking forward to this interview for a while, so I'm glad it's finally the magical day. It is a magical day. And I know I look at it that way because I know we had to reschedule it twice. And I think if you knew that you were my dream guest (laughs) and I had to just be, okay, let's find the next day. But you are, you have been my dream guest. I heard you on a podcast probably, but I knew it was before I've had this podcast for three years. Okay. Let me just start here just so I, you can understand <laughs> okay. because it's so amazing and magical. So I've lived in Montana. Yes. I grew up in Seattle. Oh my gosh. I've lived now that you tell me you used to live in Del Mar. Well, that's where yes. I live. And I've yes. lived for years. <laughs> and, you know, we love dogs, but it was like, when you started telling the story, you studied Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer, you know, Abraham Hicks, that you, the love for Hay House Radio. When I used to listen to that, like all yeah. these things, I'm just going, gosh, Sarah's like my soul sister. <laughs> and I think when I, when I started really learning about you and, you know, understanding the council's wisdom and understanding that when I'm drawn to something like you and the the council and what you are, the message that you speak, that I am part of that. And that's what you share. And I loved, and when you said that, it really resonated with me. Can we go? I mean, I, I don't want to waste too much time because I've just, you're just having you here, but can you explain? I look at life from a higher perspective, knowing what I know now as, you know, we have chosen this life and I feel mm-hmm. like your brother yeah. and you, he was like this angel in your life that Mm -hmm. was here on this earth with you at the same time as your brother. And he was, you were his sister to open your gifts, to tell Mm -hmm. you, hello, Sarah, wake up. I I did this for you. So does that resonate with you? Oh, very much. So very much. So my brother was just always this very bright light in the world. He was a, a very handsome man, but also just that huge heart and so kind and everyone loved him. He was just that guy, you know, and I remember in my life thinking, well, you know, as long as I always have Tim, uh, I can get through anything, you know, and when our our parents pass away and those types of things. And I, I never could have imagined, you know, the phone call I received the day that he passed away and, or made his transition in a car crash. And it was just the shock. It was really, the most shocking experience of my life thus far. <laughs> and yet, if I were to have that same experience now, you know, back to what you were talking about with the perspective I have on life now, it wouldn't be such a shocking experience. And I do believe there was this overwhelming guidance 
that was there even when I wasn't as conscious and aware of that as I am now. I did feel that. And so I ended up flying to Alaska. I was living in Seattle at the time. My brother was in Alaska and I flew up there. We went to this family viewing. I walked in, you know, there's his body sitting there and it was on the left side of the room. And, you know, you could literally feel the heaviness of the energy before you even walked in the room. But certainly when you walked in the room, just the, the, the sadness, the grief, the heaviness. And so after I stood over his body, I went and sat down on this chair and I explained it. And people are like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Exactly. A high school auditorium, when you're there for like a, a program or something, they have these folding metal chairs. And it was those kind of chairs. They were so cold in Alaska in November. And I just remember not only feeling the heaviness of the room, but just how cold this chair was. And I sat there for a few minutes and, you know, I could hear my family crying. I, it was, it was very somber. And after a while, I still wish I could find the words exactly, but the best I can do is it was like this warm liquid love just started pouring in through the top of my head and went through my entire body. And I was completely warm and I was completely and totally in peace a level of peace I didn't even know existed, like absolute peace. And I heard over my right shoulder, my brother said, I'm still here. I'm just not in there. And he was referring to his body. So back in my head, I said, where are you? And he said, I'm just as here as I ever was. I just left the density of the body and I'm at a rate of vibration you can't interpret with your physical senses, which were not normal words that I used at that time at all. And I said, well, what about heaven and hell? And he said, oh, it's, it's not like that. It's just pure love. It's just pure love. And so after a few minutes, moments, I don't really know how long it was. All of a sudden that energy receded and I was back in the room was very clear to me that I am the only one who heard what had just occurred, but I still was in peace. I still was peaceful and that peace stayed with me and really has never left me. My incredible love for my brother <laughs> allowed me to get over the fact that that was weird and that was woo woo. And as much as I wanted to deny that that occurred, I wanted so much to feel that again and to connect with him again and to talk to him again. So at the time, I didn't know how to consciously intentionally summon that to my experience where I do now. And I believe we all have the ability to communicate with anyone, anywhere, anytime in this physical form or beyond. But I continued to have these spontaneous experiences for, for several years where my brother would come in and talk to me. And it, it was undeniable. It was just undeniable. I, all of a sudden, I would feel the energy and I'd be sitting at a restaurant and this waiter would be walking towards me and I would feel the energy and I knew his name was going to be Tim. And sure enough, his name would be Tim. Yeah. So you know, it was just something I couldn't deny. And I think because of that love, it allowed me to keep my heart open, to keep my 
channel open to keep my connection open and stay curious and and allow this so i believe that interaction with him for the the period of time that that went on was a bit of an initiation of getting my body and my vessel ready when i was in the height of my corporate career needing sleep more than ever before i started waking up in the middle of the night and the answers to the questions that I had been seeking all of a sudden started coming through me. The energy was so high. I would wake up wide awake in the middle of the night, usually around 3 a.m. And I would just start writing and then it would stop, just dead stop. And I'd go back to sleep and I'd read it the next morning. And it was the most incredible wisdom. Again, I didn't know at the time that I could consciously intentionally summon that, that that is a process called automatic writing, which everybody can do. I just, I had never heard of anyone having that experience. I didn't know anything about it, but the messages that were coming through were just so profound and they really were just coming through. They weren't coming from my mind. And then fast forward, I ended up in a yoga class one day next to this woman, well, like three days in a row, but <laughs> I didn't know this at the time, but she'd gotten a group on for like three visits to this yoga studio, right? This was the third day. She only went because she had this coupon and she was never coming back again. So had that not happened, I don't even know what my life would be like, but she said, I'm a QHHT practitioner. And I had no concept of that at the time. It was a technique developed by Dolores Cannon, quantum healing hypnosis technique. She said, I help people get in touch with their higher selves or their high self. And at the time I was like, I, yeah, I need to talk to my soul, my high self, whatever you want to call it. We, we need to chat. <laughs> and so she came over to do a session with me. And after a period of time, you know, she goes through this beautiful meditation. All of a sudden, the energy of my body just went to a level uh, beyond, beyond. And this love and this energy of love started pouring through me. And all of a sudden my voice changed, the cadence of my voice changed. And this voice went on to answer her questions about everything you could imagine, your purpose, God, the meaning of life, you know, personal information, personal information for me, personal information for her. And, uh, you know, eventually after many, 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 many sessions, I became very clear that this wisdom that was coming through me was changing my life, was changing her life, was changing anybody's life that I shared it with. And although it was my greatest fear ever to go out publicly and tell people I channel a group of ascended master beings called the council, I just couldn't not do it. I couldn't imagine being at the end of my life and having never had the courage to see, to just to see what, what, how it would unfold. And it's just, the council said very early on to me, if you will just live this, you will have a life beyond your wildest dreams. You know, I always walk around saying galore, galore, have everything I need and more galore, galore. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, in the other thing, I think what, like, even at the beginning of the book, when you talk about, or when they go, like, go back 10 years and how proud are you? And I'm always, yeah. I have two daughters that are in 13, 14 and 16. And, you know, it's like celebrating, look at where yeah. you are now, like yeah. you know, this little time of their life, you know, in this short period. Yeah. 
but let's yeah. do that and how important that is. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I had that experience reading that or listening to you talk, because I had it in my ears every morning, it made me really go back and think, gosh, do people do that? You know, they're just wrapped up in the, in like what you say, like the, the lack or the limitation and the, these limiting beliefs that they've practiced and, you know, basically become a habit. You know, you yeah. talk about doubt is a habit, you know, that mm-hmm. council talks mm-hmm. about that. And I think that's such a great way to explain these habits that we yeah only habits. Yeah. And they really are habits. If you think about doubt, and this, this was something that recently came through on, on one of our master's class calls and what is the doubt, right? What is it really showing you? And it's essentially the little child within you, that little girl within you that creates the doubt because he or she doesn't want to be disappointed. Mm, And yet, if we step back from that, the greatest disappointment of all is to not live your fullest potential, to not live the life you want to live here. And while I know that this is just a journey that continues, this is your one life. This one you're living now is the most important life. And we're here at a time where so much more is possible than ever before. And us living fully and being all that we are and loving fully is what we're here to do. And so when you start looking at doubt as just this, this habit of going to that part of you that doesn't want to be disappointed. Right. Yeah. I love that. And you can see it from there. You really start to shift the doubt into knowing. And a lot of times people need to take the step from doubt to faith, to believing, to trusting, and then to absolute knowing but you don't have to take all those steps. Right. You can just move fully into the absolute knowing, but that is being in the moment. And that, that shift can occur in the moment for sure. But it's the, it's the awareness. And the council always says they come forth to being a grander perspective of who we are and why we are here and what is possible for us. And that awareness allows us to experience something we've never experienced before to manifest something we've never manifested for before, to create things we've never been able, known that we were capable of creating before. And so if you can let absolute knowing in, it can create powerful shifts in your life. And the council says all of your power is in the now moment. But when they also talk about what I love too, because I'm always one, you're either coming from love or you're coming from fear. Yeah. So, what, you know, even doing that, yeah. going to the closet, right. But the, the council, like everything underneath the fear is love. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And the sooner you can make that correlation and go, okay, this feels like fear, but what is it really? And they give lots of examples to it, right? If you're afraid that your child is, is going on this trip with some friends and it's the first time, you know, they've ever 
driven in a car with other kids their age to go on, you know, something like that. And you're all in fear and you're stressed and you're worried. Well, what's really behind it? Your love for your child, your you're love for your me. child. Yeah. <laughs> My 16 year old just got her driver's yeah. license. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly it. It's that fear and worry and you're deeming yourself powerless and you're, you're a victim. I have to let her do this. And I don't have the power versus going into the highest level of consciousness and really knowing that she has a higher self that is always watching over her too. And you know, you know that nothing is going to happen to her that is not in her highest and best good from her soul and her higher self's level. And you go to that place of love. Today's episode is with a dream guest. I do say that quite often, but this one is Lee Harris, who channels the Z's, who I have been following and has, he doesn't even know he was my teacher for the last probably five years is how long I've really known of him. And they reached out to me and asked me to interview him. The Z's are so... Uh, <laughs> The words that they say about what we're coming into and explaining earth and our dimensions and where they are and who they are is so fascinating. I wanted to read, it's just the first little message on the book that I really loved. It was the very first words in the book. This is from the Z's. You are all existing in the past, the present, and the future simultaneously. As much as you can, enjoy the experience of being alive now. Tell people what you feel you need to tell them. Show them what you need to show them. Live in a way that lights you up as much as possible. The Z's. And without further ado, let's bring on this amazing man that you are going to love like I do. So please welcome Lee Harris to the show. Welcome, Lee. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. So let's go back to when you were 16. I have a 14 and a just turned 17 year old. Okay. And, you know, I look at them as like, you know, discovering their gifts, seeing their passions, like uncovering their magic right now and talking about things that they love. And, you know, one of them, the older ones kind of, you know, going into be a senior and thinking about college and is that, you know, what is she going to study? But when you were 16, I know in, the, in your early days, when you were little, you, st you struggled with weight and you were into acting and that was kind of your way of expressing yourself. So when you turned 16 and you had the tarot cards with the, your mom and you like this, there was a feeling there. Mm. Is that when you've kind of started to like uncover your magic? Yes. And I, of course, at the time I didn't really understand it. I think it's when you look back and you see these trail of breadcrumbs that led yes. you to bigger openings where you were more conscious that you were having a big opening. But the tarot cards, when I was writing, that was from the introduction for Energy Speaks, the book that came out in 2019. And when I was having to retrace my journey with spirituality for the introduction, that was the first memory. It was being in a tarot card reading in my teens. And as much as I loved the information, and who doesn't, because a tarot card reading is all about you and all about your life. And it's fascinating. I mean, as much as I loved that side of it, 
what really got my attention was how my body felt during it. There was a crackle in the room mm -hmm. and I could feel that crackle in my body. I could feel like this crackling energy and this crackling energy all around me and the reader. And that was the first moment where intuitive energy really got my attention in a conscious way. And that was 1992. I was 16 in 1992. So that was around the time I started doing, I think I had a few tarot readings between 16 and 19. And then when I was 19, I was probably doing about four a year. Oh. But 16 was a turning point in my journey of, you could call it self-recovery, because disordered eating, binge eating sugar, became a thing for me, especially from the age of about 11 or 12. I mean, I was actually taken to Weight Watchers age 10, so I right. clearly had a problem, <laughs> but the problem became more successful for me when I got my first job and was earning my first money. I, I started work early, like I was 11 or 12 when I got my first jobs. So then I would go and spend money on my habit, which was sugar and chocolate. And I would, in order to cope with feeling overwhelmed by life, feeling overwhelmed by my own feelings, not knowing what to do with those and not being happy in the school I was in, I would eat five Mars bars in a period of about 12 minutes. Oh my gosh. And basically huh. I would do that in secret. I would do it at the end of the day. And for about the first, for the minutes I was doing it and perhaps for 15 minutes afterwards, there's a sense of euphoria, you know, you've got sugar coursing through your veins. So there is a kind of uplift. And then of course you feel awful, but right. as an 11 or 12 year old who isn't seeing the consequences of his actions is just headed to this thing to try and create some kind of sense of relief. That was the pattern I was in until I was 16. And at the age of 16, I went to a much more balanced place of education for me. I was taken out of the all boys secondary school I was in, which was disastrous for me because I always got had much better relationships with girls who would talk about things and mm. talk about feelings. And as boys, we were told not to. So there was always a bit of a dysmorphic thing in my brain around who can you speak honestly to and who can't you speak honestly to. And at the age of 16, I went to a creative college that was mixed gender. And so all of a sudden I was in a place where I could express myself more. And over the course of 16 to 18, I started reading a lot of spiritual books. I started beginning to look outside mainstream society. And as I looked outside mainstream society, the world made more sense to me. If I stayed in mainstream society, the world didn't make much sense to me unless I was in creativity. You know, mm -hmm. creative arts or anything to do with expression made sense to me. It was my alignment. So as I started really looking into what is this thing called life and who are we as humans, spirits, souls, because it's bigger than it seems to be, like the way everyone's behaving and the way I'm behaving. The way I'm behaving is not really working clearly for me because it's not successful. And I don't mean successful in the outside world, I mean a successful right. way of being. So 16 was the turning point for me, 1992. And I lost 60 pounds over that next two years. 
and and found myself started to find my voice and unbeknownst to me the path that was about to open up for me especially age 19 onwards was spirituality i just thought i was a student of spirituality and that i loved it and it was my passion and it was what i did at the weekend and it was the thing i couldn't really talk to many people about but i didn't realize i had a place within that world not just as a student but perhaps also as someone who could help initiate others into their own magic let's go to the z's so people understand that haven't followed you when you're 23 years old and you're on the subway and explain that whole thing and then we'll get into the messages that we've learned from the z's yeah so i was on what we call uh, the tube in london i was working in london and at the time i was doing a fundraising job for greenpeace but I was also really trying to bring my music to the world. I had started songwriting spontaneously at the age of 21. And to me, that was a miracle. That was like a magic force that somehow mm. I could hear above my head and I could bring these songs down. And so it was this combination of the magic of channeling creativity and also, of course, a level of expression because I loved confessional singer-songwriters. So it was the perfect melting pot for me at that time. And I really changed all my thoughts about what I was going to do. I didn't want to direct film anymore. I didn't want to perhaps act, but also act direct, be involved creatively, not just act. Everything went into music. And the Z's have later explained that music was how they got me first. Mm -hmm. Because two years later, that same channel through which I hear songs and lyrics and music, I heard a voice and I was on the subway, going to work, going through all of my self-doubting thoughts and issues and like, you know, well, this, uh, this isn't good enough. And what happened with that person? And why, why am I not? Uh. And all of a sudden from the left, this voice comes in and it says, that's an interesting theory, but you're wrong. It's easy now for me to remember it because it's 24 years ago. But at the time, the weirdest thing about it was it really caught my attention because I'd never, this was completely new. It wasn't the voices in my mind. It was above and it was to the left. But something about it weirdly didn't feel that weird. And because I knew about people who could speak to their guides, I very quickly asked them, who are you? What are you? And they said, we're your guides. And we've been with you since you were little. You haven't heard us since you were six years old. Now, I don't remember hearing them before six years old, but they say at that point I had to shut them out. And they said, you know, we've been with you the whole time. And we're a group. We're a collection of energies. And just like you on Earth can speak to us right now, we also can speak to other forces. We can essentially tap into the library of consciousness that exists in the universe. So don't think of us as too fixed. So all of this was a bit new to me because A, I thought to channel or to speak to your guides, you had to be a really pure person or you had to have been meditating forever or done yoga right. or only been vegan. You know, I had all these ideas about how spirit was given to us. And they really broke that down because from day one, it wasn't hard for me, like any time and now still, I can speak to them at any moment. I can just go up there and talk to them and hear what they say. And then of course, years later, I ended up channeling them for others, which was something I didn't foresee. But I think the message I like to give people about spirituality is if it could happen to me with the level of self-judgment, low self-esteem, 
all the healing I still had to do at that age. And also mm -hmm. it happened on the subway. It shouldn't happen on the subway. It should happen in a right. <laughs> field or in a, you know, in a, in a spiritual. No, it happened on the tube where people are all just trying to stay in their own little world and avoid each other. So it kind of, it was a great gift because it, it showed me that truth that spirits everywhere and it's in every form and it is a part of our everyday life. Right. Yeah. I channel through automatic writing. I do that every day. And I know you talk about that because uh, I might've even learned that listening to you. I, I just, it's, a, it's part of my morning routine and I am so fascinated when I go back and read it mm. and I'm thinking that I wrote that, like that wasn't me, but I think that has opened my eyes to how we all are channels. And I don't know, like when you were talking, cause I know when you say the music was coming through you and you're, there's always this channel coming through everyone. And if like me doing this with you, I don't have, I don't, I just know it's channeled like, exactly. you know, and I think if people felt knew their power and, you know, I just know the Z's are talking about our three dimensional beings. We have, we are, we've been so the veil has been so thick that mm. on purpose mm -hmm. to not see the power. But when we start to open that veil and you start to go, look at what we have and this power, it's us so unlimited and it's opened my eyes so much to showing people. I mean, I teach my girls that like, just realize what's going through your head. What are you thinking? That's like your sky. That's your higher self. And we, you know, it's a constant, those are our conversations in the car. Right. <laughs> but so disease, so there are 88 beings. I love the 88. They are explain because you said, give yes. me a name because the yes. human mind needs the name to be yes. understanding. So I said, do you have a name? And they said, we don't have names the way humans have names, but we know you need names to have a reference for us. So they said, you can call me Zachary and I'm the lead spokesperson for the group. But that's why to me, when they explained, well, we're a group, I thought, well, yeah, if you think about us as human beings, we're far more of a group than we appear to be because right. we're each composites of everything we've been through in life. So the reason they're called disease is because the two other spokespeople for a while were called Zafariah and Zayadora. So for several years in workshops, I would channel and I'd never know which one we were going to get. And Zachary was like a, to all intents and purposes, I don't like using male and female terminology, but you know, he had a kind of male energy. Zayadora mm -hmm. was like his female feminine counterpart energetically. And then Zafariah was this hybrid of the two. And she had the most personality, which made me quite uncomfortable because she was, <laughs> she just had a lot of personality. And because she didn't appear for a few years into it, I was a little nervous about letting her out. And yet people loved her because she was kind of funny and quite mystical and quite cantankerous. What happened in 2012 was they all merged. They basically said, there won't be any more separation where your world is going. It's good for people to think they're speaking to a collective rather than individuals, because that's the piece you need. So now we're just going to be one voice. But the reason they're called disease is all the people who attended the workshops or listened to the recordings, they would say, oh, we're going to hear from disease in this world because yeah. <laughs> they never knew which one they were going to get. So right. that's why they're called disease. If disease said to you, Lee, we're going to exit this you right now, we're going to move on to another, another human, and you're going to be without us. 
Yeah. What would you do? Like, what would be, where would you spend the rest of your 40 years of your life if you had 40 years left? (laughs) I would do what I'm moving towards, actually, which is I would create a network for voices, people, and things that empower others in all walks of life, not just metaphysics and because cha- channeling is not for everybody. It, it, you know, it, for some people it's weird and for some people it just doesn't connect with them. So I would work on empowerment because empowerment, empowerment helped me live. Like I was in a very dark place, but because I found tools that helped me empower who I was in the world and how to connect with others. So I wouldn't do it any, I just wouldn't be channeling. And it's funny because they've said to me, Many times they said, we will never leave you, but the choice to stop channeling publicly is yours. Hmm. And I've, I feel like I'm going to channel for maybe another five years. Oh, wow. Maybe until I'm about early fifties. And then I don't know. I don't know whether I'm just leaving a body of work and then I'll, I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know, but I, I feel like there's a, there's a five year path with the channeling and then who knows what I'll be doing or where it will go. Oh, interesting. Interesting that you've even put a number on it. That's what's like you're it, feeling that. Like it it's came coming to, to me. The, yeah, it came to me the other day. And the thing is, you know, channeling is one aspect of what I do. Then there's the intuitive side, which is a few rungs down the ladder. It's me feeling, sensing and speaking like I do in the energy updates or intuitive teaching I do. Then there's music. Then there's, you know, there's various things I do. The channeling is just a huge core piece of it. Yeah. So we'll see. Today's episode is one for my record books, I guess I could say. It's Paul Selig. And I, if you're listening to this podcast and follow this, followed me for the last three years or so, you've got to know who Paul Selig is. <laughs> he has been a teacher of mine for probably the last 10 years. And if I would have said to you even a year ago that Paul Selig would be looking at me on a Zoom call interviewing him for this show. I don't know if I would have believed you. So it is a big deal. It's a a benchmark in my growth in this podcast. Paul was born in New York City and received his master's degree from Yale. A spiritual experience in 1987 left him clairvoyant. As a way to gain context for what he was beginning to experience, he studied a form of energy healing and began to hear for his clients. Described as a medium for the living, Paul has the unique ability to step into and become the people his clients ask about, often taking on their personalities and physical characteristics as he hears them telepathically. Paul's work is widely featured in a variety of media, including ABC News, Nightline, Fox News, the Biography Channel series, The Unexplained, TV's Beyond Belief, and the documentary film PGS, Your Personal Guidance System. He is amazing, and he channels his books. Another thing, and why I'm so, I learn so much from my guests, and I know you all who know me, it's just expanded me so much in this growth. And that is part of why I love this podcast so much is meeting people like Paul. So without further ado, let's bring the amazing Paul Selig onto the show. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
when I started this podcast, I didn't know it was an inspired thought. It was something that came through me that said, Ashley, start a podcast. And now I need to find a name. And I, and it was uncovering, I just knew everyone had magic. And I want everyone to know that. And I know we all have these gifts. And when I look back at your life, Paul, I look back and I kind of wanted to start because for the most part, I'm sure my listeners who listen to this show know you. But the ones that don't, just to bring us to where we are today, could we go back to when you turned 20, when you were 25 in St. Paul, Minnesota, in that hotel and kind of where that began? Well, yeah, I was living in New York. I was working in St. Paul for a few days and um, I had hit a real wall in my life. It was a crisis, although I couldn't really name the crisis, but I knew I was in one. And, um, you know, the Gideons leave these books in the drawers of hotel rooms. And um, I'd been raised sort of an atheist, so I wasn't all that inclined to, uh, to take it out. But it said prayer for people in crisis. So I said the prayer and I meant it and um, forgot about it. And three days later, I was back in New York and I asked myself what I could do for myself that day. It was positive and I heard a voice and it was told me to get my act together and how to do it. And I was so startled that I listened to it. And when I say I heard a voice, it wasn't a voice in the room. It was a thought that crowded out all other thoughts. It had the, the, the resonance of truth with it that I couldn't deny. And so I acted on what I heard and my life began to change and, you know, has continued to change, you know, ever since. Right. So when you say change, you started List, you started like listening to these voices, which you no. call the guides. No, that came later. I'd listened to what I was told. I was basically told to stop drinking and messing with drugs and all those things that I was doing. I was a year out of graduate school at Yale. I was probably in retrospect a bit of a hot mess on every level. Um, but no, I, I changed my behavior in a big way. And I found myself suddenly on a spiritual path that I wasn't anticipating. And then everything changed. You go from living in a world where maybe there is a God or something you might call God and from one where there isn't, it's like moving to another planet. And that's what it felt like for me. It was quite a time and very confusing and very, very, very hard. I have to say I was very poor and very lost. And my psychic abilities started opening up shortly thereafter. And that was a process too. I didn't just arrive doing this. I was really supported and trained in doing this through years of experience with it. But I started seeing little lights around people and I was sent to somebody who did energy healing to get a context for it. And this was, you know, way back in the day, 87, 88, I guess this would have been you know, where everybody and their sister wasn't a Reiki master. It was a very rare thing back in the right. day. But I studied a form of energy healing after working with somebody for a while, a different form than I just mentioned, and um, was volunteering at a center for people that were living with life-challenging illness. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic, and people were dying all around me. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I started to hear things them that they would they would they would agree with they would hear you know they would support the information 
And that's how I began to trust what I was getting and beginning to feel in my own body. And the channeling came after that, but it came slowly. They didn't start lecturing through me as they do now, which is in book form or lecture form until 2008. So I'd been at this for a while. And that was when I quit smoking and they told me I had to quit smoking. And they said they would like, they said, they don't say I have to do anything. They said, we would like to continue to work with you, but you're going to have to attend to this if we're able to do that. And I quit. And that's when the lecture started. And, you know, the books began maybe about a year after that, if, if, if even that long. It was uh, quite a process. And now my guides have dictated what um, they're on the 12th now. They've started to work on the 12th book. Right. Have they ever explained to you, are you part of that group? And have you, do you have a soul contract with them that you said you would come down and, you know, go through that, you know, your twenties and, you know, have the darkness and experience, you know, the drinking and the drugs and all that. I had a rotten childhood. I mean, I had a hard time. You know, some people have a hard time. I had a hard time. Nothing glorious about it. Everybody has a hard time once in a while. But um, they don't talk about soul contracts. They did say that I agreed to this before I came in and that I've worked with them before. That much I've heard. But I, I actually make a point of, of not sort of glorifying this or my role in it. I don't know how this happened. I was not somebody who even necessarily believed in channeling. I am not a good new ager. I have very little patience with a lot of woo-woo. You know, it's just who I am. I'm an old New Yorker and I'm a bit of a curmudgeon, less than I used to be. But, you know, I am on this great adventure with this stuff that I may never fully, fully comprehend. And um, I, I think it's a very unique skill set that I possess and maybe not that unique. Maybe I've just been at it a long time. You know, I did a group in my apartment for 18 years in New York. I was teaching college. I wasn't looking to be known as a psychic or a channeler. But in those 18 years, I believe I was developed and prepared for the work that I now do. And even my time in the classroom is preparing me for what I now do, because those are skills that, that get utilized when I have to facilitate as Paul, a group of students. But yeah, so maybe, I, I think, yeah, I think I've been at it a while. But I, if anybody told me I would wind up doing this when I was, you know, 21 years old, I would have thought they were insane. You know, really. Right. So when you have the gift of mediumship, but with the living, yeah. that's different to me. Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, I, if somebody still has a body, I can generally hear them. And that includes people in comas and locked-in syndrome and, you know, different kinds of disabilities, I'm actually pretty accurate, I'm told, when I step into people and I can hear. Um, I call it stepping in. If somebody's on the other side, if somebody asks me to tune in to say their, their Aunt Frida, who's been dead for 20 years, I may get her, but I generally get them as they were when they were alive, sometimes as they're crossing, which is interesting. And once in a while, if they're around, they want to come through, perhaps they will. But I call myself a medium for the living. I think of myself as a switchboard. So when I'm channeling the guides, I'm plugged into their station, or radio might be a better metaphor. So I'm a radio. They're the station, the guides that play when I'm channeling. But if I'm reading for a client, 
I'm tuning into the client, they're the radio station. And if the client asks for somebody, asks about somebody in their life, I'm switching stations to tune into them in a relationship with the client. And I often, I'm told, begin to look like the person I'm stepping into and right. take on their mannerisms. And I find that interesting and kind of fascinating because I like that it, it proves out stuff. You know, channeling, the guys that work through me come with energy that's generally very palpable for people. So let's talk about the resurrection, time of reckoning. Like I, there's so many things in this book that I would love for you to, it's, it, and why it's so, um, it's so captivating is because we are in this state of a reckoning. Like, and I, that's why I resonate so much with it. It's the vibration, the tones, the, um, the accord, the, you know, we're understanding of the old, you know, I look at it like we used to talk in my world, 3d, 5d. I, now after reading this, it's like, we're moving to this next level. Like it's not even, mm-hmm. I live there like you do. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on in the news. I, I know how important, like my vibration, I'm, I'm in nature. I see the divine and the trees and the birds. And, and I do that with my kids, like look at everything and see the divine. We are all that. And it's just evolved so much. And this book just takes that to the next level. Mm-hmm. So let's go to that. Like when you first started getting these downloads from your guides. In 2010, I am the word they talked about reckoning. And at the very beginning of the book, they said humanity is at a time of reckoning. And a reckoning is a facing of the self and all of one's creations. And basically that everything that's been created in fear is going to have to be renown or reseen in a higher way. And what they basically teach is they teach it, they call it the upper room, which is they say a level of consciousness or Christ consciousness, if you want to use that phrase. They say it's an octave of vibration above what they call the common field. The common field is reality as we've known it. It's what we've been entrained in and where we've got our lessons. And this field has been caught up in what they say is a false belief in separation. And you move to the next level up, which they call the upper room or the the higher octave. That's not present there. But because all of our memories and experiences are born in the common field, which has been imbued with separation, everything that we experience is is wrapped up in a false idea. So the work that they're doing in this trilogy, this final trilogy, they call the Resurrection Trilogy, is moving us past that. I don't remember what's in Resurrection because they've dictated another book, which is called The Book of Innocence, since then. And they are about 50 pages into what they're now calling the the last book of the trilogy, A World Made New. That's the title that's given for it. So they're really talking about how reality is altered through consciousness now and through vibrational accord. So the work that the guides have been doing with their students from the beginning, which I didn't understand at all, um, has been a work in some ways of, of transposition, transposing the music that we are, the vibration, the tone that we are to be played in a higher experience, a higher expression, a higher octave. They say that any song can be sung in a higher octave, any piece of music can be played in a higher tone. And so they're teaching us how to be the, I guess, ambassadors of that, or to how, how to support what they call 
a reclamation or a resurrection of the inherent divine. And they always say the inherent divine because they say you can't make anything holy. It already is, but you can deny the divine in anything. And in fact, we have. So I channel a lot. The one thing that I give myself a lot of credit for is I've shown up for this stuff often when I don't want to or the last thing I want to do or think about or have to be accountable for. But I continue to show up. So the books for me are these experiences of dictation that now happen publicly, which are always slightly terrifying because the rule has always been is that I don't really go back and edit anything. Maybe in any of the books, three words or so that I mispronounced or clearly dropped like an and in a sentence that required an end because I was speaking so fast, it's all in the recordings. Those are the only edits. We don't go back and fix it and make it politically correct or popular or use even phraseology that people like. My guides have never said, I think, soul contract. And I don't think they've ever talked about fifth dimensional reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've never mentioned a reptilian or a this or that. Right. Not their stuff. They they mm-hmm. come with their own their own baggage. <laughs> seems to be rooted in mysticism, and um, they say predates Christianity. Although they say the basis of what they're teaching is really the basis of what later became world, all all religion. Basically, everything's coming from the same the same genesis. So my job is always the same, to keep up with the dictation as best I can and to be as clear as I can for the dictation. That's my job as the channel. And I have to remember and I have to be reminded that I am not the author of the books. They remind me all the time. And so I show up and I have to just say, spirit, put the words in my mouth and like let it rip. And they do. What's curious about this trilogy so far is they'll often start, I don't know if it's all of the books, but I think think it was probably true in Resurrection as well. They begin their lectures generally with a phrase in an awakened state or, you know, they they speak to the reader as if they've already aligned at a level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Not like this is how you get there. They're speaking to the aspect of us that is already there, which is not the personality structure. Right. Personality doesn't get enlightened. You know, it's like I'm going to get, you know, a hair weave and suddenly I have a full head of hair at the end of my experience. <laughs> you are, this is who we truly are that we've been in denial of and have had a lot of junk precluding the, not junk, stuff. Some of us probably was very valuable and needed stuff precluding our higher expression. So that seems to be what they're working with through these teachings. So the downloads for me are continual and then they're framed when they do a book, which is always generally a new teaching where they have to catch the old readers up somehow. They say they teach in a one room schoolhouse. They're addressing everybody, which is why you can pick up Resurrection when you haven't read the other books. And then I just hope it all makes sense at the end of the day. Today's episode is going to, I don't know if I could say blow your mind, make you go down another rabbit hole. (laughs) It made me go down this man's rabbit hole. His name is R.J. Spina. 
and I was listening to a podcast that he was on and one day, and it just was like, oh my gosh, I need to share this man with my audience. And so of course I just go on this journey to find how I can get a hold of him. And I think I manifested his text message, his phone number in like five minutes from that. It was like so quick. And that's a long story, but I just, when I know he's meant to be on the show, I just wanted to explain how quickly I manifested contact with this man. And I see why, because after learning about him, I read his book, Change Your Mind, and you will want to order that. You will want to listen to the Audible. You will want to go to his website, Ascend the Frequencies. (laughs) You are, I promise you, this is going to be one of those episodes where you will go all in because he's going to take your belief in healing, the power that we all have within us. In in only 2016, so not long ago, he became permanently paralyzed from the chest down, requiring emergency life-saving surgery. He was deathly ill with a rare staph infection that compressed his spinal cord. By the way, his last name is Spina, and that is spine in Russian. So there's no accidents. There's no coincidences. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, hypo thyroidism, autoimmune disease, autonomic dysreflexia, and suffered from life-threatening complications due to his catastrophic spinal injury. His body was destroyed and beyond repair. He spent roughly three months in a hospital rehab facility, being inundated with antibiotics, drugs, painkillers, and rudimentary physical therapy. He was given zero chance of ever walking again and was told he would need medications for the rest of his life. Today, he is no longer paralyzed. In fact, within the first 100 days after his emergency surgery, he walked unassisted, just as predicted in the ICU. So he's beyond anything that I've ever met before, and you will get that. But I want you all to know that I feel like he's in our life to open our minds to the power of our minds. And I know that is why he came into my life. So enjoy this episode and please reach out to me after you listen and tell me about what your takeaways were and how I know you're going to say he's transformed your mind. (laughs) All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome, RJ. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So let's go into the, when you turned April 23rd, 2016, when you were, were you 45 then? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, I, you know, like when we get to this day and people understand like your journey of remembering and knowing that you were, you just knew you had this knowing and there's such a thing about knowing. And I love that. And when you get to this moment, in April. And I mean, when you think of 2016, you know, that's not long ago. <laughs> it's amazing. So let's go. Take us yeah, there. I, sure, sure. So yeah, April 23rd, 2016. April 23rd is Shakespeare's birthday, by the way. Oh, uh, huh. Shakespeare is a fictional person. All those, all those plays were written by Francis Bacon. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. So April 23rd, 2016, I became permanently paralyzed from the chest down I was told I had 48 hours to live. I had severe sepsis. 
I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, severe autoimmune disease, pancreatitis, thyroiditis, a retracted heart. I was told to make out a will right away. I would never make it, you know, till the weekend. And um, I was also suffering from something called autonomic dysreflexia and paraplegics and quadriplegics who have their injury above T6 and mine was T7 and T8. An injury to that part of your spine can often cause your autonomic system to completely shut down and run haywire. So things like your breathing, body temperature, pulse, heart rate were no longer automatically regulated. And oh. paraplegics and quadriplegics often die from complications. You could have a stroke, an aneurysm, go into a coma. So that was going on. All that was going on at the same time. So I had emergency surgery. And they did something called a laminectomy where they scraped the infection off my spine. But I was already already paralyzed. And the uh, the prognosis was that because the spine had been damaged, there was no way to, to get better, to repair. And that was, that was sort of the end of that. But when I woke up from surgery, the truth of the matter is I woke up into authentic, authentic cosmic consciousness, uh, what's actually even beyond enlightenment. And I sort of telling the ICU nurse, the higher consciousness, enlightened metaphysics of self-healing and self-realization, sort of explaining it to her. It's like it all came back to me. Mm. Like when I woke up, when I used to say as a kid, if I ever get sick, I'll just heal myself. I knew that I knew, but I didn't know the specifics. Mm -hmm. When I woke up from surgery, I knew the specifics like I knew the back of my hand. And I started explaining to her what I was going to do, how it works, energetic templates, channeling intelligent energy, the deconstruction of the false self, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And then I said, in a hundred days, I will walk out of here unassisted, and I'll be completely healed of of everything that's going on with me. Now, it was too specific for her to dismiss it as I was just high from the anesthesia. It was way too specific. And I remember her looking at me, and she just says, "How do you know this?" And I just said, "I remember. I absolutely remember." So. It took that, it took essentially the complete destruction of my body for the remembering, the knowingness that was buried deep within me to come to the surface and to give myself this great challenge to be able to put myself back together again and then be able to offer up the teachings to humanity. But without that challenge, without that great challenge that I, that I gave myself, because we give all of ourselves our challenges with our health. Right. Without that challenge, I don't think the remembering would have happened. But when it did happen, it all came right back online. So you started this healing journey when you told yourself, I'm told everyone in 100 days, I'm going to heal myself. And now that I understand the your first book, The Seven Steps and what you did, and you've laid it all out, I want people to understand the thinking, the way you describe you know, healing, the I am, the everything after the I am is, you know, this, it's belief. Talk about all, because I love talking, getting rid of these limiting beliefs and proving it wrong and doing your journaling exercise and spending every day, you know, when you talk about, you walked by the mirror and you saw your hair and it was messy. Why does that bug, you know, who is that? So will you explain, because I think people, I'm a mom and I, I'm a teacher for teenagers and it's evolved from, you know, raising kids in this intentional conscious way where people see my girls, this, this, they know self-talk, they know who they are. They know how to speak, speak it into existence. We talk so much about that. I mean, 
we're, we, t- we go deep, RJ. But will you explain how important the thinking and the how you describe the I am and the EMI and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what we are at our core is a divine intelligence. And that divine intelligence is really our level of love and wisdom whose subsets are our talents and abilities. Now, that is what all of us actually are. And and by the way, it's complete variance. No two souls have the same amount or quality of this sentience or this divine intelligence. Now, that is the God within us all. And we are a miniaturized, when we say made in God's image, this is what we're about to explore and I'm going to explain. We are a drop, a cell, an atom, however you want to say, of God. We have the exact same attributes of God. Forget about looking like this. This is the humanistic misinterpretation that God is some some dude wearing a robe with white hair. Okay. We don't look like that either. This is a suit. We have no name, no image, and no form. And we're wearing a biological garment to explore the lower frequencies of the physical universe, just like you would put on a spacesuit. This is a biological spacesuit for our consciousness to explore this realm. Make no mistake about that. Okay, so what we are is the I am, which is God itself. That is our love and wisdom, and it's our talents and abilities. Now, that that divine intelligence, that sentience, that I am, is given energy, including this. This is a body of energy. Is given energy to create with, just like God, right? So this energy that we use, we use our energy to think, to emote, to animate our body, and then therefore to have the body have experiences. It takes energy even to incarnate. Now, that is what it means to be made in God's image. Sentience given energy to endlessly create. And we do the same thing. We endlessly create. The issue arises, from my perspective, the issue arises when we incarnate into the lower frequencies of the physical universe because we are so disconnected from our our natural environment, from where we come from, the holistic nature, the oneness of everything, we come all the way down here with total amnesia because of the complete disconnection. Now, the issue becomes that we start identifying ourselves with what we create. Mm. So what that means is we lose ourselves in the incarnation. We start thinking that this is what we are. Now, we're inside this. We created an incarnation, and this is the suit that we wear. So we start identifying with the body. We see ourselves as a physical being. Now, as soon as we identify with the body, Ashley, we're going to identify with what the body produces. Thoughts, emotions, actions, behaviors, physical sensations, traumatic experiences. Now, as we start to identify with this and then all those other things, by the way, none of, none of which is what we are. None of that is what we are. So this is the creation of the false human character, what I call the ego mind identity. Now that is subject to all societal conditioning, brainwashing, everything that goes on, beliefs, ideologies, concepts, roles. So we're this perfect, whole, complete divine being that has completely and utterly misidentified itself with a physical vehicle, and then all these other things that are floating around here. Our disharmony, our dis-ease, our suffering, all comes from the misidentification with all of those things. 
So healing as well as self-realization for me is the returning to what we really are, the I am, the sentience, the pure awareness. And just as the painter is not the painting, we are not what we create. It is our misidentifications with what we create is what takes us astray. It leads us further and further from our true self, mm -hmm. from what we really are. And as we get further and further away from what we really are, we are misprogramming our mind with all these things. And then the body has to have the tangible experience of that. All disharmony comes from disharmonious thought patterns. Now, we can only think in terms of what we've identified ourselves with a belief, a thought, an experience, an ideology, a role. Now, once we detach from these things and remain as what we truly are, thinking actually just stops. And now we have meditation. Now the true self is online. Now, once the true self is online, healing starts to take place. And the longer that we can normalize the state of being present, the closer and closer we get to self-realization or enlightenment. Self-realization or enlightenment is simply the normalization of what you truly are. And then you have full communion with your higher self, as we are an aspect of our higher self. And that's what enlightenment actually is. But the story that we're telling ourselves, the spell that we are putting over ourselves, that we then put over others, that is what must be, we must become acutely aware of that and we must cease with doing that and once we cease with doing that we'll start to feel like ourselves, and then we'll realize that what we actually are is capable of anything including putting a completely destroyed body back together or having authentic self-realization or enlightenment you talked about 2023 being a huge year yeah. could you go like on a summary of version of that sure yeah okay so 23 from an occult perspective. And a cult, the origin of a cult is ocular or oculist. All occult, and this whole world is a cult, whether people realize it or not, it's the truth. The origin of all occult information comes from the oculists or those who can see. And that's why it's called what is hidden. The occult is what is hidden. Well, it's hidden to the five senses and the intellect. It is not <laughs> hidden to those that can see the ascended masters. And there's two ascended masters that have provided essentially all the occult information that this world has used for hundreds of thousands of years, which I think is quite interesting. 2023, or 23, from an occult perspective, two relates to mind-body, and three relates to mind-body-spirit. 23 has to do with transcending a physical mortality or reaching immortality or communion with the I am and the, and the trifecta of what we really are. So 23 is a massive, massive year in terms of people having to make a choice. They're either going to choose mind-body and grounding themselves in the physical and keeping themselves locked within mm -hmm. the third frequency, or they're going to choose three, which is mind-body-spirit, which is the ascending of the frequencies and working with ourselves in a much more holistic fashion. And that's the whole reason why I'm here is to make sure that these teachings far outlive my physical body, because these are the teachings that humanity is going to use for the next 300 years as it starts to evolve its consciousness so it can ascend the frequencies. And 2023 is the most pivotal year in the history of humanity, because we're, each individual is either going to choose their own ascension, 
or they're going to choose to not ascend and go nowhere and lock themselves within the suffering of physical reality. Wow, I love that. Thank you, RJ. Today, you are going to listen to somebody who has really uncovered her magic. Her name is Cindy Edison, and I listened to her on a podcast, you know, the story of my life. Everyone, everyone's always asking me, how do you have all this time to listen to these podcasts and read these books and have these interviews with these people? And I think it's because I love it so much. Let me tell you who she is on her website. I'll just read a little bit. It's just a paragraph, but it's just, I'm Cindy Edison, a conscious channel for the collective consciousness known as Joseph. Joseph speaks to us from the vibration of the new earth, teaching the perspective that will move us forward in our evolution to the expanded realms of consciousness. Their message is the evolved teachings of Seth and Abraham and is based on the universal truths and how they play a role in our individual and collective expansion. You know, most of you know Abraham Hicks and Seth, you know, Jane Roberts, channeled Seth and I have that book way back, you know, in the 19, what, early 70s. And then Abraham, you know, Esther, I've been following her for the last 30 years. What Cindy does, she realized that, that Joseph is an, is uh, like a, a version of our growth, like where we are now. It's what we are ready for. So, you can kind of look at those as, you know, we learned all this stuff about Seth and then we went into Abraham. Now we're moving into Joseph. Not that they're all, they all work together, but Joseph is going to be to the, that's kind of how she explains it. And you'll get when she describes why Seth and Abraham are part of why, how she describes Joseph. But um, yeah, I just, there's something about the teachings of Joseph that resonate with me. And I know if they resonate with me, they will with you. Most likely, I can't say that for everyone, but for the most part, I know everyone who listens to this, um, uh, my podcast, we resonate. We're in a soul family for sure. So get ready to be in love with Cindy as much as me and just enjoy the show. So please welcome Cindy Edison Mm -hmm. to the show. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you, Ashley. I'm so happy to be here. Happy Sunday. I know. I think what I want you to, what what I relate to, and when I mentioned earlier about the Abraham Hicks beginning that journey and then meeting Paul Selig and then the vision that you had with the planes and the flags and how Joseph comes to play in that. I think what I got with that too was we're ready for Joseph now. You know, it's what I mean. That's kind of where I want to, that's kind of what I want to come across to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had been led to, well, they were talking to me since 2009, never knew their name. Every time I'd ask, they would say, the name doesn't matter. We are you. We are you. We are you. And okay. And as they were teaching me, they were saying this and it became more and more familiar. 
And then I think it was 2016 when that with the nudging, what we refer to and Abraham refers to as the inspired action, you know, they're pushing you. By the time I was, I started listening, they were pushing me, you know, pushing me and everything I was seeing was Abraham, 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 Esther's face all over the place. And I had no idea who they were. So I had been listening to Abraham on Hey House Radio at work every day. I was so excited to hear all of those, you know, beautiful teachers and their stories and their shows. And I kept seeing the advertisement for Abraham come up, come up. And finally I said, okay, okay. And as soon as I started listening, I felt this shift in me. I felt a connection. Didn't know why yet, but I felt the connection. And over two years, well, actually a year and a half, a little over that, they were talking to me as Abraham when I was writing. I was writing on the laptop every day with them. And one day they just said, oh, by the way, and it's not verbatim how it happened, but we are Abraham. And I just started laughing and I just, you know, you just go, yeah, right. That's funny. But it sounded like them. And I, so I started investigating that on my own through them and they were answering my questions. And after a while, many months, it got very comfortable. And I said, yeah, I guess they are. And what they were telling me was that at that time, Esther was going to retire, which is a whole nother story. And mm-hmm. that the expansive, the expansive consciousness that Abraham was teaching from and Seth and many other teachers, um, was of course expanding as the human collective is focusing on it. And there would be many teachers that would be teaching from the consciousness and we would be following the Abraham group. Had not heard the term new earth yet. So that was interesting. So I said, okay, well, that makes sense to me, you know. So then in probably September of 17, I was lucky enough or not lucky, driven to uh, uh, make an appointment with Paul Selig. Now I had read several of his books. I love his his stuff, is wonderful. Yes. And so I scheduled an appointment with him. I was so excited. I wanted to hear what the guide said about my path, you know, and all this stuff. So we get on there and he's giving me his channeling reading. If you've ever had a session with him, he starts out just telling you about you, you know, that lasted maybe 15 minutes. And then he said, okay, so, you know, what's your deal? What are you, what are you into? What are you doing? Whatever. So I started telling him and I said, well, I'm channeling Abraham. And he, he kind of made a face and not a good face. Uh, for me. And, you know, and I kind of, you know, what? And he said, and I said, this is what I've been told. And I knew it was the truth because it was loving. I could feel the truth in it. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, I'm looking to Paul Selig as my mentor of sorts, you know? And I said, you know, they told me Esther was going to retire and whatever. And and he said, "Mm, I don't think that's how it works. He said, Abraham like belongs to Esther. And I said, I, I do understand that, but this is what I'm being told. Now I'm having a pit in my stomach, you know, because <laughs> now almost two years has, you know, this has been going on and, and I'm thinking I've been duped and I start getting, you know, back in my human form right. saying, holy crap, what's going on here? And so he says, let's ask the guides. The guides come in and they said they were there for maybe 30 seconds and very powerful. And they said, there is a group who is trying to teach through her. They, she must ask for their name. And at that point, I was very confused. And he said, ask them for their name. And I said, I know their name. Their name is Abraham. And they, <laughs> and they said, no. So I got home that night, 
pulled out my laptop and I said, okay, you guys, what gives? And they said, they told me about how other channels channel, which I'm not going to get into here. And they said, we are Abraham. The translation is different. Didn't understand that then either. We are Abraham and we will reveal our name to you at the perfect time. So a little more confusion, but a little, you know, I was kind of calm. I was thinking, okay, there's something going on here. I need to let unfold, you know. So then a month later, they said, take a month off and go and write the first book. So when I did that, I so I made all those plans and I did that. And so a few days after that, I was sitting outside a beautiful day and I was just not really thinking about anything. I was just breathing. And all of a sudden, this vision pops in my head of the propeller planes, you know, over the beach that carry those big banners. Yep. And I, I'm watching this thing and this thing goes by me. And the first banner behind it said Seth. The next banner attached to it said Abraham. And the last banner was blank. And I heard, that's us. And I said, oh, okay, now I'm starting to understand. So with that vision, all of this stuff started coming together. More pieces of the puzzle were being fit together, kind of. A few days later, I don't know if I talked about this before, but a few days later, I was writing with them and I was I'm translating what they're saying. And all of a sudden, this Esther's face popped like right in front of my, it was so clear to me. She was right here, right in front of my Uh. face. And I'm going like this, trying to see my screen like she was really in front of me. And I said, what is that? Why is Esther right in front of me? And they said, Esther is the face of Abraham. And we don't have a face yet because our name has not been revealed. Something like that. And, you know, I was back in 17, I have to go look. And so that I understood. I'm the face of this group, whoever they are. Now there's a big mystery, you know. So a while later, you know, a few weeks later, they said, take a month and go and write the first book, which I did. And um, as I was finishing the first book's welcome letter, they signed it, We Are Joseph. And that's when I knew, that's when I knew, oh, I just got covered with goosebumps. They're so cool. Yeah, me too. Um, so that, that's what I knew who they were. And I understood so many things that they are the next step of the Abraham message. There are many teachers teaching from this expanded consciousness, of course. And our message is kind of the, the trailer, let's say the trailer to the new movie that we are all creating, which is our journey to the new earth. And so we've taken on that segment of this teaching of the new earth teaching and how the human actually gets there, you know, what our next step is. When uh, Joseph talks about the 3D, he, he, or they reference it as like a carnival and the, I just love that. Will you, Me and, too. Uh, will you explain too, like what they, how Joseph explains the 5D, how oh, what it garden, looks like? The Garden yeah. of Eden. We get that question a lot. What does it look like? You know, and they always say, it looks like what you think it looks like. We have likened it to a Garden of Eden. And if you read uh, in Revelation, I think it's the last chapter in Revelation in the Bible, John talks about the new earth. And that will be our next step. He ends with, this is where you're going, you know, to the new earth, which I always found interesting. But the, uh, yeah, so the, uh, Joseph said one time, if everybody on the planet was focused on alignment for 60 seconds, 
everyone would be experiencing their version, their translation of the new earth for 59 of them. Because that collective, you know, Abraham says one in alignment is more powerful than a million who aren't, right? right? So can you imagine 7 billion people, you know, focusing on alignment? We would have no chaos for that 60 seconds. So it is a place most of us cannot even imagine what it's like to live in a physical place creating from the space of love. I took a, a vibrational trip to Telos out in Mount Shasta. Um, oh. I don't know if you're, you know, the fifth dimensional city out in that mountain. And I am evidently a Lemurian, you know, uh, transplant. And I went there because evidently what I was told there, what I, I was part of the, the building team of that city, which is partly why I'm doing this now. I don't know, it goes into a whole nother story, but that is a fifth dimensional city. And when I saw that vibrationally, of course, it is the most, I can't even describe the beauty of it because not only is it created from natural crystals and, and gems and like we were sitting at this huge, what we would refer to as a conference table, a conference room table, but the whole thing was this big ruby it was indescribable. There's no top to it. You know, I mean, there's no top to the city. It just expands and just the most beautiful stone and just colors that you can't even imagine. And not only that, but the peace that is there, of course, you know, the peace that's there. So the the most beautiful place you could possibly imagine for yourself, because it's an interpretation at this point, you know, is what it looks like. And it will be our next step in our physical world. We'll we'll zip through the fourth dimension. I was listening to something you were talking about on somewhere about being patient and letting go. And, um, you know, sometimes I, you know, I get on the calls with these parents and I can just tell they're, you know, they have their their limiting beliefs, their stories that they keep telling themselves. And, yeah. and I, I, you know, I can't get through them, but it's okay. It's not their time. And then, you know, and then I see some kids that have the same going on and, you know, my old self would be saying, oh, I'm just forget it. Like this is, I can't, what's, but it's yeah. just such a different feeling. And I have such a draw. It doesn't matter if I'm teaching one kid every, you know, whatever it is, I, it doesn't matter that one person, like you say, yeah. one person will is more powerful yes. than a million that yeah. don't have that belief. And if I can help yeah. that one, but I do have that patience. And I don't know if that's part of me just knowing that it's going to work out. I know it's going to be this huge thing. Yeah. You're so blended with your soul. When you step off into the third dimension, it's not for long. I mean, and we're, we all do it because we're here. We all do it, but you're, you're so in line. And so your dominant vibration is really in your soul more so than the contrast, which is why you're starting to take on the, probably not starting to, but you're there, take on the, the behavior of your soul vibration, which is important. I said to Joseph one time a while ago, you know, how do I do this or how do I do that? And I said, Cindy, think of yourself as our representative in the physical body. And at first I had to apologize. I'm really sorry about this. You know, I'm sorry <laughs> about that. But, um, you know, but they said, behave the way you think we would. 
Huh. It goes back to the, you know, what would Jesus do kind of thing. Right. Behave the way your soul would behave if it was physical, because that's who we are. Right. You know, so they say, we don't have patience. We are patients. And it's not really, you know, when you get to that point, it's, it's patience is very limiting because we have a stigma to it. Mm-hmm. So it's a knowing and it's, it's really the induction of the eternal perspective of yourself. It's the okay. eternal perspective. Yeah. Right. Had somebody say to me the other day, how fast can I get to the fourth dimension? Like I got to get rid of all this stuff. How fast can I get there? And I said, well, first, the first thing you have to do is take that time element out of it because now you're out of alignment with your desire to get there. You right. know, exactly. Oh, shoot. You know, I mean, <laughs> we really have to watch what we're saying because we're saying, and again, it is deciphering the third dimensional teachings and understandings and our beliefs. It's all of that stuff and really saying, okay, that's in alignment with the third dimension. But since I'm moving to another neighborhood now, I need to paint my house another color. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to change my landscape over here and I'm going to design a new home to live in from a new foundation. So true. Uh, we have gone over and I'm so grateful for your time, Cindy. No problem at all. Gosh, I loved it. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.